Hi, my name is Alan. I'm a business designer and welcome to the Beyond Users podcast, where we learn about business to become better designers. There's been a lot of hype around business models and specifically business model innovation lately. The research shows that companies that focus on business model innovation instead of just product innovation outperform these companies. Right? So the companies focusing on business models are have higher profits, higher growth, better revenues, uh, etc. So business models are a really important aspect of business. And they are obviously also very important for designers. And the reason they're very important for us is because Every decision we make in terms of the product, service, brand, user experience, it affects the business model. So it is our job to A, understand what business model our company or client has. So we know, you know, if our decision is aligned with that. And B, we should be aware of the implications that our decisions have on these business models. And it all starts with understanding what business models are, what are different versions of the business model, when to use which one, etc. Um, another reason why they're important for us is because you might find yourself on a project where you actively have to create a new business model, where you have to design a business model and test it. And in those cases, what we usually do is we brainstorm, we look at the existing business models and we create different combinations of that. Again, here the research has shown that most successful um, business model innovations come from recombining over the existing successful business models. Right. So in both cases, uh, if we're working on a product and we want to just see implications, or if we need to design a new business model, understanding some basic and most fundamental successful business model patterns is very beneficial. So that's why I decided to share one of the lessons from the DMBA course. Uh, one of the modules in this course is called business models. Right. So in, in this lesson, uh, we actually covered 10 um, fundamental or um, very frequent business model patterns. We explain what they are, when they're used, their advantages and disadvantages. So in this podcast episode, I'm going to share the audio snippet or the audio version of this video lesson. Uh, but don't worry, even just the audio is enough to get the gist. So even if you don't see uh, the whole lesson, just listening is enough. But actually, if you do want to see the slides from this course or from this lesson, you can visit the episode's uh, website, which is beyondusers.com slash podcast slash business minus models. You can also find the link in the podcast description. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode about business models. Hi. So in the previous video, we've seen what makes a business model a business model. So basically what those four building blocks are. And now we're going to see how this manifests in reality. We're going to look at 10 famous business model patterns. And the first one is e-commerce. Basically, e-commerce is an online store. You probably know Amazon or Zappos or in Europe, Zalando. And all of these are basically companies focusing on selling online. Usually when we talk about e-commerce, we need to compare it with a brick and mortar store, which is a physical store with a physical presence. And then we usually talk about advantages and disadvantages of both when we're making decisions which, we which one we want to uh, pursue. So the advantages of the e-commerce are that it usually has much lower fixed um, fixed costs right? because you don't need the physical space in the city center where the rents are the most expensive. You can save some money as e-commerce, right? Because you have your warehouses outside of city centers where it's actually much cheaper. Second, really, really important aspect is that as an e-commerce, you in theory have unlimited shelf space, right? 
while a brick and mortar store is limited by its space, an e-commerce is really not, right? You can add as many additional sub-pages with new products as you want, especially if those are digital products. Uh, and with this, you can actually cater to a much wider audience. And the next advantage of the e-commerce is also the convenience. Uh, for a specific target group, this is super important because you can just order online and get it delivered tomorrow. But this also leads us to the first disadvantage, right? Because having a physical store is sometimes even faster, right? Because it's already there, you can just drive in the single day. And usually with the e-commerce websites, um, you need to wait one, two, three days to get your goods delivered. And the second um, aspect where brick and store mortar, as a brick and mortar stores are better, are a face-to-face interaction, which on average feels more exclusive to consumers, right? If you're running something that's a little bit more premium, having certain point of sale with physical presence is definitely beneficial. So this is the first model, e-commerce. The next one we're going to cover is white label. So usually when companies create products, they want to put their own brand on top, right? You create a product, put your own brand, and you basically brand it. What happens with white labeling is that you create a product, but you offer many different companies to put their brand on top. So for example, when a European digital bank called N26 started its operations in 2014, it did not have a banking license. So what they did is they reach out to another bank or a wire card bank, which is basically a white label solution provider for financial institutions in Europe. And what I've done is they let N26 build a digital experience or banking digital experience on top of their banking license. Right. One thing not to confuse is white labeling with contracting. So contractor is somebody who more or less just executes a certain vision of another company and just does it for one, while the white label means you create a product and offer it to many different uh, companies or vendors. The next model we're going to cover is open source. Open source is usually a software which is open for everyone, to, for free basically for everyone to use, change or even monetize on top of it. A good example is Linux, which is an operating system for computers. The fact that it's for free makes it very accessible for a lot of companies and individuals, right? The usual way to monetize open source is that you try to sell a certain premium feature uh, or service on top. So for example, when um, companies uh, were thinking about using Linux, they were really con- uh, like um, concerned how, how is going to provide a support, right? Is it really going to work for them? So here is where a company like Red Hat actually jumped in because they offer this service to companies where they pre-test new versions of Linux and offer an ongoing support in return for a certain yearly fee. The next model we're going to look at is long tail. The, the idea of long tail is that you offer many um, products which sell infrequently instead of just focusing on the popular ones. So if you think about it, if you go to any physical store, what you find there are mostly very popular products that sell a lot in quantity, right? It just does not make sense for a certain physical store to have one product that only sends one item per year, right? Only one copy per year. But for certain uh, um, business models, like also e-commerce, the idea is that you can have as many products as you can, even those that only sell once or twice, right? For Amazon, they can have millions of books uh, that only sell one or two copies per year. But when combining all of those products on the long tail, actually the revenue from them can sometimes even outperform the popular ones. So the hat, right? Actually, this does not mean that Amazon is not selling the popular products, but they can do both, right? 
they can popular they can offer the popular products the hat and also the long tail so this is the long tail the next one we're going to cover is uh, franchising so you probably know that anyone with a million dollars lying around or a few million dollars can open its own McDonald's restaurant. So what they're basically doing is they're buying access to a certain business model. So the franchisee, uh, basically the company offering the franchise is um, letting others to buy into this business opportunity and in return for a certain fee, they give them access to their products, brand, know-how, business processes, etc. Um, so basically franchising is a growth strategy because it lets uh, the main company grow, uh, grow without investing its own money, right? Because the new investors, the, one, the ones buying the franchises are actually fueling the growth, right? So you can save a lot of money through that, but you're also giving up some of the control over the final product and final experience. Some of the famous examples of the franchise include Starbucks, Europe Car, the rental cars, Marriott International Hotel, and even NBA clubs. The next model we're going to look at is razor and blade. This is really famous. It was invented by King C. Gillette, uh, who actually um, figured out that he can make more revenue and profit if he gives away the razor for free and just makes a profit on blades. So this is a business model that works really nicely for any products that need continuous upgrades or uh, refills. Um, really good examples of that are Nespresso um, coffee machines, where the coffee machine is the razor and the capsules are blades. Another example is also Amazon Kindle, where the Kindle, the hardware, um, the ebook reader is the razor, and then the ebooks are the blades. So um, this is it in terms of this model. The next one is Freemium. So Freemium is a model that works really nice, especially for digital products, where um, the product is relatively cheap. So what they do is they offer a certain part of the product to certain segments for free, which is then actually subsidized by another segment, which is paying the full price. A good example of that is Spotify, which is actually offering freemium as a way to, for new users to test the product. And it's been working for them really great. They have 70 million paying users and 90 million uh, freemium users. And as I said before, it's a great way for customers to actually try out the product uh, because then it, they're more likely to also buy it. Uh, the next model we're going to cover is the hidden revenue. The idea here is that actually the consumer is not paying, but the revenue comes from somewhere else. The typical model here is advertising, right? Being used by Facebook, Instagram, Google, etc. So the consumer is not paying. Uh, the advertisers are paying for their ads being placed on the platform. The next model is auction, which is basically any model where the price is not fixed. It is determined through competitive bidding. An example of that would be, uh, the example of companies using that would be eBay and also Google. And this works really nicely when you have a product which supply is highly limited. So any memorabilia, real estate, and even online real estate, right? So this is how Google is selling the first page on, on their search results, right? This is a very limited space they can offer to only a few uh, companies. And the final business model we're gonna cover is recurring revenue, or also famously known as subscription. It's really popular these days because it has a lot of business benefits, and that's why a lot of designers and entrepreneurs are trying to force this model also on products that are not really suitable. So products that are suitable for this uh, business model is actually the ones that either change over time 
or are need to be upgraded or need some some kind of maintenance. Um, that's where it works best because if you have a product with a certain peak in terms of the value delivery, but then you expect customer to pay for a longer period of time, there's, there's usually disconnect and then people just cancel their subscription. The advantages that I mentioned are basically planability, which means by having the recurring revenue, your revenue is much more planable. Right, instead of having those peak cycles, especially if your business is seasonal, it's hard to kind of predict what's going to happen next. Here it's much more planable, so you can plan in advance how your business is going to, um, how you're going to change it. Um, the disadvantage, though, is that you are subsidizing your customers. It usually takes a few months or years before you actually pay off acquiring a new customer, so retention is really key, right? Usually when you acquire a new customer, you paid more for it than what you can get in the first month so you need to retain them for some month so for some for some time and then retention is this key metric for this model okay with this we basically covered now the 10 business model uh, patterns what we're going to do in the next video we're going to see how we can start designing our own business models and also test them cool i hope you enjoyed this lesson um obviously you didn't have all the visual materials again if you do want to check that you can go to beyonduses.com slash podcast slash business minus models and there you can also see the slides for this lesson and um, actually if you do want to join us for the next dmba you can also do that uh, and there you can learn more things about business models like what's their definition you know what is business model actually how you design them how you test them etc and the next intake the next dmb intake starts on february 24th so next year um so if you want to uh, sign up for the waiting list and see if the dmba is right for you you can just go to beyonduses.com and there you can sign up for the seven day mini mba and you know see for yourself if this is the right for you and then be notified when applications open which will actually open in the early january 2020 before finishing up, I'm just going to share an audio snippet of an experience of DMBA alumni, Andreas, uh, based in London, explaining his DMBA experience. For me personally, this has been a fantastic experience. Uh, the people are great that I met on the course. The tutors are really knowledgeable and very super responsive on Slack. Um, and the participant community is already helping each other out, finding new jobs and they help each other out with uh, business challenges they face in their current work which is fantastic to see